Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's not a real Say That. We'll get there. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm glad to be here on this legitimate and in no way artificial Say That episode. It's all a lie. We've already started out with controversy. Ooh. I'm outraged. Yeah, we're trying to get on some of that sweet, sweet talk radio. Exactly money. right. <laughs> Well, we're not joined by Lee Younger this week. Lee is uh, what? As as we uh, as you listen to this as we speak, Lee is currently across the seas. Oh. As I say that, I realize that may sound like a metaphor for death. Lee's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's across very literal seas, that being the Atlantic Ocean, doing mm. a a, a speaking gig with our uh, friends in Young Life. Mm. So he's he's off doing that and He's left us here. That was probably not a wise choice. No, it's really... We shouldn't be left unsupervised. I mean, the speaking gig was a wise choice. It's the sure. leaving us unattended part that was... It never really works out for anybody. ...courting disaster. So what you're saying is Lee basically feels like young life is more important than we are. He feels that way, and he's completely right. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. We've, yeah. we've already lost our ability to generate controversy. So you're saying, yeah, okay. Oh, okay, well, that, that tracks. That makes sense. I think we're done here. <laughs> I, would, I, do, I would like more cable news hosts to take that thing. <laughs> like, oh, there's nothing to it. Well, okay, then, fine. <laughs> so you're saying it's treason. No, I'm not saying that at all. Oh, good. Oh, well, that, that clears it up. <laughs> that would have been terrible. <laughs> what? We, we may not have a very real show, but we do have a very real emergency. Ooh, exciting. Ooh. This one emergency. comes in compliments of podcast superfan david sheerdwan what what and charleston south carolina leader co-leader with his wife of the illustrious say that small group Mm, wow a thing that the best of my knowledge they're still doing against really every bit of good advice they've probably received and let me tell you what i love the sweet sweet royalty checks we get off of that deal totally no we're getting them um, right, you're gonna get your cut later. Right, not not now. Yeah. Right, but later on. There's a lot of complicated accounting going. It's tied up in escrow. Yeah. <laughs> now, but I am getting paid in the internet dollars, right? Totally Dude, huge internet dollars. That I hear that's the thing. You gotta get in on that. Absolutely, everything's on the internet now. So, Absolutely. You want digital money? You you don't want analog money. That's no. old school. No, no. And you know what you can redeem those internet dollars for? What's that? Anything in the current issue of the Sky Mall catalog? Sure. Wow. That's an important loophole. Wow, yeah. yeah. That's a deep joke for those but, of you who follow the comings <laughs> and goings with the Sky Mall Corporation. <laughs> I have to be in the air, right? You have to be it. in the air in order to use those internet dollars. And, and again, it has to be the current issue. So right now, yeah. it would have to be the August 2015 issue right. of the Sky Mall catalog. Right, right, right. But, you know, you can just get right on that. Okay. If you want to redeem those internet dollars for a toaster that toasts hot dog buns and hot dogs, you're in luck. I, I want to get me one of them neck pillows. Oh, we totally. Can, we can get you a neck pillow. We can get you a Lux neck pillow. Whoa. Wow. See, that's, so this 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 gig is paying off. Exactly right. right Absolutely. On. Well, Brother David uh, emails us to draw our attention to something in the world of popular culture. Mm. 
the people like to keep us, um, you know, informed about when um, Christians do um, horrifically embarrassing things in the world of popular culture. We get your um, your mega church murder lifetime movie. Sure. Um, when you know, Christians attack. Yeah, God's Not Dead, the sequel that's sure. coming out. Cause Accus- got, accusations when someone misbehaves near a megachurch pastor. That's absolutely right. People feel the need to inform us. This is a slight variation on that theme. I think okay. David's the first one to um, inform us when popular culture is agreeing with us on some things. Okay. There's a television show on the TV Land Network, Ooh. which you may know from... Reruns of Bewitched, if it still <laughs> is the same, if they still have the same theories when I watched it when I was a kid. But so they got a show. I'm going to tell you the premise of the show, then I'll give you the title because the title is really the big reveal. Okay. Currently, a show on is on season three, and the um, the premise is there's a, a ne'er do well kind of um, degenerate gambler who tries to uh, fix his situation by committing the identity theft on someone he comes across who has um, perished in some terrible accident. As I say this, I realize this sounds pretty hardcore for TV land. I imagine a lot of this happens off camera. Yeah, one hopes. I don't come across a charred corpse. (laughs) But he realizes that the person he's now impersonating is a suburban church pastor. Ooh. And I want to give credit where it's due, because I'll read you the exact text of David's email. He sends me the Wikipedia link and then says... The joke is apparently that a lazy slacker could take on the role of suburban pastor and no one would notice. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm against that. Officially, that, I'm against that. That is wrong. <laughs> and I get I we the big reveal, the title of this show is Impastor. Oh, nice. See, he's impostering. A pastor. Ah, he is an impastor. That's nice. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's not a phrase you should take into your personal lexicon to refer to quote unquote pastors who don't seem to do any pastoring. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got I got some questions because I you know about the impastor show. Right. Sure. You know, I just you know want to, so first of all, does he don a puka shell necklace to help with his ruse? I'm not sure he's that kind of suburban pastor. Ooh, now I'm less I'm, interested. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, and see, if we know anything about suburban pastors, the goal is by season two to be mega impastor. Right, right. But I think he started out as kind of small town impastor. Okay. There's a growth plan. Okay, so puka shells may be on the way. He, sure, you can't the, start with puka he's shells. He's in the sweater phase now. See? Okay. <laughs> and then that's the... Sure, well, you come out of seminary and go right in the sweater you phase. You have to have a character arc here, Jed. Okay, which season do I tune in to see the Hawaiian shirt phase? That's what I'm interested in. I think that's like the reunion special. Okay. Here's what you gotta I'm be saying. pretty successful before you can uh, you got pull that Hawaiian shirt power play. All right. Here's what I'm saying is, you got a guy he's pretending to be a pastor, right? right? And he's 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 a ne'er do well, right? Okay. The problem I have with his show is I would like to watch it, see what's going because people like ask us like what are what, what's your response, right? Right. But here's my no problem. No one's asked us that yet, but sure. Here's my problem. This show has no explosions. Right. Basically, if you want me to watch a show, there needs to be an explosion. Okay. Now, it's a fair point. It's, it's a right. very fair point, but I want to I wanna dig at the, the subtext of that. Right. Because I think we may have um, touched upon something that's a very real problem and the judge has referred to. 
Is that exactly the attitude that has led us to megachurches? Well, uh, having bright and shiny things. Yeah, I like churches, but there's no laser light show. (laughs) We have a a, a friend here in Chicago I was talking to. There's a a network of churches here. uh, I will spare the name of, but one of them is a very nice guy who pastors one of the campuses, came to the bridge. And he was making a uh, a point about what are the old test the uh, New Testament verses where Paul's talking about putting on the armor of God, and instead of letting the audience use their imagination, he brought which apparently the church just owns a full replica Roman s- armor vest and sword. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which he had one of our guys put on the vest. Then he, the pastor, unsheathed the sword. Okay. So that everyone yeah. could envision why you needed armor. Yeah. But I saw, I saw that. So there's another, apparently this is, this is part of this church's MO. So I was talking to a friend of mine who was going to, a, they had gone to another church a version, another kind of campus of the church, a different side of town or during, around Pentecost. Uh-huh. I'm talking about, you know, the fire and whatnot. Right. And apparently instead of, again, just trusting the audience's imagination, the guy used an acetylene blowtorch. Wow! To simulate, uh, so he could, so everyone could picture what fire looks like. That's my kind of pastoring right yeah. there. And that see, and this is the dilemma I'm in because, on principle, I'm against that. There's gimmicks, and you know, it's right. that's got to be that can't be safe. Right? OSHA can't have signed off on that. But on the other hand, you've combined church and explosions. Right. It's Michael Bay presents church. It is. It is. Except without all the uncomfortable Megan Fox stuff. (laughs) Michael Bay presenting things. See, here's here's where we all went. I understand what you're saying. All the ingredients are there. How can it not work out? Sure. I'm saying. Here's the problem is all these things have to work together. You're saying we need synergy. You're saying the explosions have to advance the narrative. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Okay. Okay. When the Death Star explodes, you're like, okay, that's part of the story. That's part of the story. Ups the the stakes. Something has happened that is meaningful here. Right. I already had a picture of uh, fire in my head. You just showed me fire. Right. That's. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's if it's fireworks, then that's uh, something. Right. Okay. But here's what there I'm are s- mega churches that do that. That's a real thing. Okay, yeah. But here's what I'm saying is, let's say, for example, take two things that we enjoy, right. put them together, in order to enhance each other. Right. Right. Church and waffles. Right. Sure. Absolutely. See what I'm saying? You like waffles. Right. You like church. Right. I'm gonna put those two things together. Sure. Absolutely. Now here's the thing. You're eating waffles, you're hearing about Jesus. What could go wrong? What indeed, Glenn? There's nobody that wouldn't enjoy that. Well, I think some of our gluten-free brethren might have a issue and a concern. Well, you know what? You come down front. We're going to cast that demon right out. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I command the demon of celiac disease to be gone. Exactly right. And then and then uh, maybe we move on breakfast sausages etc sure leave it open to your imagination some options for the people sure. you're talking about a real church buffet situation okay because and i'm going to tell you another thing i'm just throwing it out there and if you don't like it you send it right on back okay okay recliner right you know what right I'm yes okay i'm in church and i can kick it back put my feet up right eat my waffles right hear about jesus 
See, what I like, what we're going for here, clearly, is we're taking kind of the premium movie theater experience. See, Jed feels what yeah. I'm trying to sure, talk Jed's about Jed's on here. board. Yeah. He's, he's, he's feeling my rhythms right now. Right. Because maybe I want a waffle. Maybe I want a pulled pork wrap. Maybe I changed my mind. I've got the little concierge button on that recliner. Boom. I just hit it. And it wouldn't really be a waiter, but maybe more. It's an usher. An usher okay. comes out, takes my order. He's already. He, they, we've already got those. They. They have. What have they been doing anyway? Nothing. They, they're already filming the sermons. Okay. So they're ready to go. All they're right. wanting to put it on the big screen. Sure. Yeah, this is. Uh, Let me put this out there because okay. I think I think we're we're on something here. Yeah. Um. But one of the problems is with the premium movie theaters, not everybody can afford the premium movie theater. Right. It's tough. So you got to have different buildings for that. You know, you got the, the, the dollar theater. You got your normal. You can, you know, it doesn't really work for church. You can't have a bunch of different. You know, the rich people go to this one. The poor people go to that one. <laughs> Pause for effect. That wouldn't be a th- way church works. But I'm tr- I'm thinking of a you know, thing where you know different tiers, right? And I think we take the movie theater idea, but we advance it up one. I'm thinking of uh, sports stadiums and the way they're set up. Right? Okay, here's what I'm pitching you: church luxury box. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. You want to go sit in the pew? That's fine. Right. Right. You know, right, you say right. oh, we're sitting in the bleacher seats today. You know, right. maybe some nachos. Right. Maybe you share the big soda. Right, but if right. you want, if if for our high rollers here in church this morning, they got the ham on the side. The guys cutting off hunks of absolutely, it and, right? Yeah, now, I, we're gonna pass the plate through there a couple of times. Okay, now just because I know we're gonna have to wrap up quickly because uh, we're giving mega churches ideas they may actually enact. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is actually I true. I really wouldn't so, put it past any of them to have luxury <laughs> boxes. Prime rib night at Willow Creek. <laughs> here, here. While we're pitching ideas, or various unnamed mega church, uh, and Lee's not here, so he can just what he can do. It later. should be clear by how far off the rails we've gone. <laughs> he, he can. What he can do is when he hears this episode, he, he can be can, deeply ashamed he, of us. He, well, he could do that, and he could tweet whether he his acceptance. Right or not, because you know we record this now, right? Yeah. Okay, but it's not going out now, right? Well, it is in a sense. In no well, sense is it going out. It's now. Y- you know w- it's instantaneous in this room. We're releasing it into the. Why universe. are you making this worse, Jeff? In this moment, Glenn. Here, this moment is all we have. Glenn. This is all right now. Is all there is. Let's make this moment last all night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this went this so, went Stephen Hawking to Al Green real quick. Okay. And and that leads me to my idea because I was on the road earlier today. I I drove in from Iowa City today, which is not a place to drive in from. It's a lot of corn between yeah, sure. here and there, and so there's a lot of monotony, and you, you get to having ideas, right? Okay, so if it's not a good idea, send it right back. Right, okay, I'm putting it out there. Sure, absolutely. Sure. I'm trusting. You're an idea man. I'm an idea man, and I'm trusting that this is a loving space. That, that seems a lot to ask, but okay. let's, let's hear what you got. What evidence are you basing that on, Glenn? <laughs> okay, at some point, uh, all of us will, you know, uh, you know, be reach such an advanced age that we won't be able to do this podcast, because this is going to go on for another 50 years. Sure. It's a very physically taxing experience. And at some point, we'll all, all four of us will have to retire. Right. Sure. Okay. Here's what people are, are is keeping people up at night. Tell me. Who's gonna Who's gonna carry on? Sure, absolutely. You're saying succession plan, right? Exactly. Now, there's all sorts of different ways we could go about this, but I think the best and most logical way to do it is to combine 
the DNA of all four of us and make a specially engineered genetic super baby. Okay. Okay. With all four of our DNA. Of the many incredibly disturbing things about that. And you're right. It would be an unusually huge baby. That's right. Not super a, not, baby. Not how DNA works. Four times the size. Super not how combining DNA normal works. normal baby. By that, by that logic, human beings would double in size with every generation of the many... Many incredibly disturbing things about that idea. You mean disturbingly good, I take it. Is now, and you, you're the one who brought this up for it, which is why I'm surprised you're violating your own tenant. Mm. Have we learned nothing from the Jurassic Park films? That super baby's going to get out. It's going to cause havoc. Well, you know what? I think that's, that's just what this world needs. The super baby's going to stomp around, oblivious to its surroundings. It's going to cause a car crash, the kind of car crash that would... Uh, end the life of a soon-to-be minister in a small town, opening the door for a ne'er-do-well with gambling debts to assume his identity, and then a TV show would be filmed about it on TV land. Boom! Full circle. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a man who understands story structure, closure, and when it's time to wrap up a segment. (laughs) So on that basis, we declare emergency off. Now, uh, I have uh, a feeling the Super Baby Emergency is going to come up again. I, I'm, I'm prepared to table the Super <laughs> Baby discussion Well, for thank later. you for following proper parliamentary procedure. But I feel there's more to be explored in the... in the Coming soon to is. a podcast episode near you. I'm just... Let me just say... Wow, we're getting Marvel Cinematic Universe up in this piece. Here, here's... I want people to listen to this... Post-emergency and, sequence. And send out tweets... To Glenn, leave the rest of us out of it. <laughs> Four times the size no. of a normal baby. <laughs> so not how reproduction works. Super baby, Lord, giant super baby. <laughs> With all, it's got all four of our DNA. So sure, you know, right, he's got on. the wisdom in there. Sure, moving you know on. I mean? Okay. Also, not sure wisdom's genetic. Yeah, it's, I don't think that's true, buddy. <laughs> oh well. Okay, we. Uh, you're gonna make me go from super baby to bridge box, aren't yep. you? Good luck. Well, you're not getting a Lee-less episode. That's the good news. We have recordings of Lee and I both. Lee was up here with his high school and college friends a couple weeks ago. He preached at our bridge service. We have we like to have Lee do it. He comes up here, did a great job. I uh, followed him as well. So we both preached on a bridge topic we had about how to have a more effective prayer life. We'll get into that a little bit here in a minute. But we record sermons at the bridge every month. You know what we do with them? Put them in bridge box. Ooh. You get a... Full sermon from Glenn, recorded at the bridge service in Chicago. The kind, if you follow our bridge podcast, you'll hear some other recordings we do of that. So it's a great, um, it's a great environment. You get to hear Glenn really kind of going at it, going at it kind of in front of his people and to hear the people respond. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. There's a lot of wisdom. It's based around a topic that we pick because we think it applies to our friends out there on the internet. So get all that, not to mention songs and devotionals and whatnot, and you get to support the ministry we do with the folks at the bridge. You get to hear the ministry you're supporting. It's pretty cool. Nice. MissionUSA.com slash bridgebox. So like I said, we'll have, we're gonna actually going to probably be a shorter episode. We're going to close this out with um, the recordings of mine and Lee's sermons, but the, the topic we have, we have a talk, topic every week at the bridge, much like we do every month on Bridgebox. The ones at the bridge are submitted by the men and women in the audience. And this one was how, simply, how do I have a more effective prayer life? So before we uh, kick it off to Lee and past Matt, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we already, I wanted to just get a little bit of discussion going. I want to get uh, Glenn and Jed's take on this. And just, Glenn, why don't you start us off just real broad strokes. Someone came to you and said, how do I have a more effective prayer life? What would you tell them? Well, th- obviously, the, the main thing that we say there uh, is honesty. You know, sure. that is, it's absolutely got to be as honest as possible. And for me personally, that means stripped away of, of everything uh, that would be artificial, mm-hmm. any, um, uh, you know, uh, the idea of doing it in any sort of a formulaic way, I think, begins to take away from that. I think there's some people that enjoy having a certain kind of structure in their life, and um, I, and in small doses, I think that can be great. But when it gets to a point of I'm doing my daily deal and I'm not really opening up and really, really listening to the Lord in that, it sort of becomes mechanical and Mm -hmm. it it becomes impersonal and we're not really getting to the raw guts of what what it is that we're talking about. Um, I think, uh, and and when I say honest, raw would probably be Mm -hmm. the better word of just every dark awful, rough, um, everything. Uh, We're looking for as little repression of emotion as possible. Now, it's it's tough because Christians will repress stuff like crazy. I mean, like crazy, crazy, crazy. They will repress it because... It's one of their favorite things. It is because they think being nice is a virtue. In order to be nice, you have to repress things. You can't you can't be uh, particularly honest if you're being nice. So if if I'm going to repress that down and get that uh, sort of uh, uh, swept under the rug, well, it's going to come back later to haunt me. Prayer is about taking all those things we'd be inclined to repress and put that on the altar mm-hmm. in front of God and say, "Now, God, I want you to take that away from me." But I but I need to lay it down between us. So that we can both take a look at it, so we can talk about it, so you can comment on it, uh, so that I can let go of it and and you can take it away from me. That's sure. that's I think that's the the main core of it. I think that's an interesting point. I would say to that that um, I think you're right that there's honesty is obviously a big thing. I would look at the point about um kind of formula, and I would say that you're right that, that can be useful to some people, especially getting new people if they're kind of new to prayer, new time to the Lord. I think also there might just be some people who they like, you know, I have my confession and my petition or whatever, mm-hmm. and that can facilitate. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, some people, um, especially, you know, when they're young, sit down to pray and just kind of draw a blank. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it helps that. I think you're you're right that it's, for you, unstructured helps the honesty. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I think we're getting to there. There are some principles you want your prayer life to have and there's a lot of avenues to get to them that are very personal but and but off of what you're saying i do like the idea of something that 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 keeps me from hiding from sure. certain things so yeah if it, if you've got sort of uh here are all the elements i want to make sure to cover then yeah, yeah i think that's good stuff yeah which I, that does kind of come down again to we have we want to be i want to be honest the way glenn is honest is unstructured and just kind of stream of consciousness. The way somebody else might be honest is I have to, I have my checklist, so I know I can't hide from, you know, mm-hmm. praying about the thing I'm angry at. So on that tip, Jed, what's some, some, of some kind of personal tips and tricks you might give to people? Well, I think one of the things that's really important is 
to have prayer time that isn't where the sharing your feelings with God is is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So if you asked most people kind of what is what is prayer, I mean, it would kind of, I, I go and I, I ask God for things, you know, and some of those things are selfless, like, you know, Aunt Susie is going to have surgery, so, you know, help her with that. And some of those things is, you know, I want a better job, so help me with that. But I, I think one of the things that's really, really critical to, I think, a healthy prayer time is extended periods, really, where you're simply t- sharing your feelings with God. That's a great point. I would jump in there just because I know um, what you mean on that. Say so there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. Oh, not That's at all. That's a huge aspect of prayer. I think what you're saying is in addition to that, you need this other aspect. 100%. Absolutely, you should be asking God for things. No okay. question. He's got the things. He's got the things, wants to give you the things. No question about it. I'm saying in addition to that, I think there is, um, I, I think something that a lot of people miss out on is the idea of simply telling God how you feel about stuff in your life. So, and, and those things can actually, the asking for things and the sharing your heart with God can actually go hand in hand. So if it's, you know, God, I, you know, I, I want a better job. And so I'm asking you to, you know, provide one and whatnot. Um, I think you should tell God why you want a better job. Yeah. Um, and not, not the scripted version that's super holy. I want a better job. Oh, gracious Lord, so that I might give more to the charities and whatnot, but just, I hate where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it, right. it, it makes me want to die. And I hate getting out of bed in the morning and it's so boring and the, you know, the boss is such a jerk and I hate being there. And I just feel like if I had a place that was, you know, more fun or more interesting, you know, that would just, it would be better. And I think really, and and God, I'm asking you to provide a place to be more fun and more interesting and that would be, you know, better. But I think the funny thing is the more that you get into where your heart's at, you know, the feelings and and the motivations, right and wrong. It's not, you know, it's not about, you know, saying here here are my right reasons, just, you know, um, you know, I'm sick of being broke. I want more cash. I think a better job would provide more cash, and I mm. and I want that. I think the funny thing is, not only are you asking God for stuff, which again, to be clear, you super should be. You should be mm. petitioning God and asking God to you know provide for your needs. But I think you get a much better sense. You build an intimacy with the Lord through sharing your heart with Him, mm-hmm. and you get a much better sense of kind of. What you really want, the things you care about, the things you don't care about, and I think it it all makes it easier. Glenn was talking about listening to the Lord. I think the more you share your heart with the Lord, the easier it is to begin to hear what He has to say in response. Right. Yeah. Um. Because you'll hear yourself say things, you go, "That's no, actually, I don't really feel that right. way," and I don't. You right. Know, it's not really as, like as that. you're asking for things, you'll hear yourself. It, it, it just doesn't sound right to yourself. And you say, that's probably the wrong thing to want. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you say things and you go, wow, I never really thought of that before, but that is really true. And, you know, right. and you begin to wonder, maybe, Lord, is that an idea that's from you where you're kind of trying to, you know, to guide me? Is you know, It's an aspect of why I would want the different job, but I never really thought about that before. But that does make sense. And that kind of... If that were true, then I should look for XYZ kind of job instead of ABC because that actually would, you know, go there. You know, but all of that comes down to, and I think this builds on what Glenn's saying, you know, giving yourself a space and time to just share your heart with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Where it's, you know, it's not about, you know, I got to get through the following 10 things, but I want to get into more depth and, and really, you know, really get into it. That's absolutely right. I think the one of the underlying things we're coming at, and this would be the one big thing I would say to someone if they're you know trying to figure out what prayer looks like, is you can't. This goes to what both of you are talking about. 
you cannot judge your motives or what you want. You gotta. So we're talking about you know prayer is about getting it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I think Jed just made the point of you don't want to say here you're not you're not making your case. Yeah. Yeah. Now there are times in my prayer life, and I think it's probably the same guys. These guys, I picked it up a little bit from them, where I will tell God, "Here's what I want, and I'm going to make my case." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then these guys are saying, sometimes as I hear myself making my case, I go, "This is a bad case, isn't it?" <laughs> right. It's pretty clear yeah. that I just don't want to do that thing, or I just want this thing, or so. But the more honest you can be, the more, as Glenn put it, raw. I think is exactly the right word. You can be the better you're going to be able to, the better you're going to feel about it. And that relief of, I got it off my chest really puts you in a position to listen to the Lord. We do get questions from people occasionally. And I think that idea of listening to the Lord is something foreign to a lot of people, even who are walking with the Lord. And they wouldn't put it in that terms. You know, we all, if you have Orthodox Christian belief, you believe that God communicates with you. That's, I mean, that the Bible is pretty clear on that, that his spirit Mm -hmm. is within us and that kind of stuff. But, I think that people have a lot of blocks in listening to the Lord because there's a lot of other voices. We talked about that in this podcast four, and I like Glenn's idea of laying it at the altar because a lot of prayers just kind of um, word vomiting all your stuff out mm. to create a little bit of a vacuum that God can speak into. Mm-hmm. But the thing about giving something up on the altar to go back to Glenn's um, kind of really good analogy on that is you cannot give up something you won't admit exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can pray, I want to kill this person. But if you're not going to admit that what you're angry about, you can only really halfway get it out and then you can't hear the thing. Mm-hmm. And as a listening to the Lord example, you say, like, I'm, God, I'm really pissed at this person. And I want, you know, I want all the bad things in life to happen to them and no one else. And I want to, you know, have them rended, their garments rended and, you know, ruin all that stuff. As you get that out, you get out say, I, they, cause they said this and that made me feel this way about myself. And, Oh, that's right. okay. Now that's something to look at. Right. So listening to the Lord, when we say that, we're not talking, we're not necessarily talking about an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. None of us have I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but whatever. But there's a lot of, you, as you hear yourself talking, you get that kind of an outside thought and that's where you go. Oh, but that does start with getting it out. I think people have a vision of prayer of, it doesn't work if you start out and say, all right, Lord, tell me things. Right. It's kind of more of a conversational process, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, the 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 basic the Sunday school answer is how do you learn God's will? You know, through uh, the Word, through mm-hmm. uh, godly counsel who interprets that Word to help it apply to your life, and through prayer. So that and and through listening to the Lord in prayer, that's what we're talking about. So for me, uh, the listening is the other half of prayer. That's what what's it's meant to be there. Now I think we do have we would have a problem if someone was running around saying, uh, "God told me X, and now you have to go by that." That that would be you know that would be a problem. Uh, it, it's it's a problem when only brother so and so is hearing God's voice. He's got the hotline. Yeah. Um, the as you're pointing out, the theologically correct way of looking at that is that the Holy Spirit dwells within all of us. Uh, he speaks to us uh, as as Jesus said uh, that um, he that that we are his sheep and that he's the shepherd. 
and that we know him by the tone of his mm-hmm. voice, by the sound of his voice, by the way that he speaks to us. And that's what you were alluding to earlier. Sure. You know, there's that thought that's clearly not really you, that's that's just so much higher and 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 more more righteous. And we say, Oh, that that that's more from the Lord. That's not really just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And learning to tune into that, learning to listen to that, learning to hear that is really what Christianity is all about. But that works against that idea of brother so-and-so having the vision and whatever, because it's easy enough for me to say, yeah, I've been praying, I haven't heard anything like that, dude. So sorry, man, you know, whatever. Um, but being able to go to the Lord and and, and say, you know, uh, many times this has happened. I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I am angry about X. And the Lord has come back to me and said, I'm angrier than you are about it. And <laughs> something about hearing that that makes me think, well, okay, then I'm fine then. Whatever sure. whatever you want to do. Well, you take care of that. Yeah, I want to stay away from this whole situation. You know? And that shows how those things build on, all those three aspects you're talking about build on each other because you've read the verse that says vengeance is the Lord's and you know, mm-hmm. you've had yeah. your counsel of people saying, I know you're pissed about this now, but don't go off and do, have God do anything like God take care of it. So when you get all that together and you say, well, I know what the word says about this. I know what's my kind yes. but I'm still going to tell God I'm angry. Yep. Right. And then when I get that confirmation on that, that's when you can say, all right, I can officially let this go. I don't have exactly to, right. I don't have to be angry about this anymore because yeah. I've got holy confirmation that it is worth being angry about. Exactly. And right. I can move on. Yeah. I, I want, and you're exactly right. I want that confirmation in the word, in godly counsel and in my prayer time. I want it to all agree. And Jen, maybe take us out. If you have kind of one tip to people as they start the idea of listening to the Lord, if that's foreign to someone, what would you tell them about kind of starting that process? I think the key and most important thing is to get everything else out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, for, for most of us, uh, we have a lot of feelings in our brain, um, uh, you know, more than we know what to do with. And we have a lot of, of thoughts and impulses and, you know, uh, fears and doubts and hopes and urges and dreams and, and this, that, and the other thing. And the thing that the Bible says about God is, and it actually comes up in, in really a number of places, but the idea is that God speaks in a still, small voice. Um, and, you know, our feelings uh, tend to shout. They, they tend to be very loud, yeah, and, and yeah. They, they refuse to be ignored, right? But the funny thing about God is the most powerful being in the universe um, is ignored all the time. He doesn't. He actually doesn't force his voice onto anybody. Right. Um, again, the Bible says he speaks in a still, small voice. Okay. Well, so what that means then is we need to lower the overall volume of everything else so that we can hear him. So that's actually part of why you're hearing all three of us talk about kind of getting it out, whatever it is. The, you know, these are the things I'm afraid of. These are the things I'm concerned about. These are the things I'm mad about. The more that we can express that stuff, the more we can, even if it's just for a few minutes, the more we can set it aside so that there is a lower volume level in our brain where we can maybe begin to hear that still, small voice. I think the more that we can, again, create a quiet space, and we, we do that, we create that quiet space by expressing feelings, by expressing doubts and fears and hopes and concerns and you know, it's positive feelings and negative feelings and getting them out of the way so there's mm-hmm. a, a space where we can hear the Lord more effectively. And then I think it's about 
you you brought up earlier, um, and you're right. You know, it's not about sitting down and saying, "Okay, God, tell me things." That mm-hmm. is not quite it. But seeking the Lord's guidance on something specific. You know, um, you know, Lord, you were talking about the example of you know looking for a new job. You know, uh, um, show me what I, I think. There's a hundred things I don't like about my current job, but Lord, I need to understand what I actually don't like. What's actually bothering me about this job? I need you to give me wisdom about that because that'll help me figure out what I want to look for in the future. So that's the thing I'm seeking your wisdom on is what, what's truly at the core of what I don't like about where I'm at. The more that we can zero in on something where it's specific, the easier it is to hear what the Lord has to say about that particular subject. I think that's absolutely right. The, uh, the thing I would compare it to is if you think about sitting down and thinking real hard about a problem, which we all do, you're kind of searching your own knowledge for, you know, what do I, what's the best thing I can come up with on this? You might do some research, might go to the Wikipedia, you might look up something. What's the best idea that the expert in the world has on this? Um, when you start listening to the Lord, you start praying through stuff that has a, actually uses a lot of the same muscles, but as Jed is saying, you're actually looking for what's the, what's God's wisdom on this. So a prayer as it is, it's all this, it's getting it, it's getting it out. It's seeking wisdom. But in a lot of ways, it is more like thinking something through than Absolutely. people would Absolutely. maybe think from the jump. Cause that doesn't feel necessarily, you know, mystical or spiritual, but you are saying, I'm going to turn this problem over. I'm going to try looking for every, and I'm going to, as Jed's saying, listen to that still small voice that pings when I think I've hit on it. Use Jed's example of, okay, I hate this job. Well, I don't like, you know, I don't like that the boss tells me what to do. I don't like how you give it nine. Well, most jobs have that. So maybe that's not the thing I don't like about this job. And, you know, you just kind of keep turning it over and keep asking for that kind of wisdom. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really good primary getting started on prayer and listening to the Lord. So now we're going to take you to live at the bridge just a couple weeks ago. You're going to hear Lee's sermon and then my sermon Woo. on the question, how do I have an effective prayer life? And we'll take out the songs we often do. Um, you know, the Psalms are a good place to go if you're kind of wondering what real honest prayer looks like. Um, really, it's, it's a song book, but it's also a lot of David's prayer. So we'll take out our Pool House Guru track based on Psalm 34. We'll take you out on that. So uh, take it to the bridge. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Get the labs working today on the Super Baby Idea. It's good. Excellent. I am so excited. This is one of my favorite nights of the year. And the reason is because I get to be with you at the bridge. Thank you for having us all the way from Tennessee. Here's what, before, before we really get rolling, I want, I, I, we are so thankful. Just, it is such an encouragement to get to be around you folks, just to see the way that you are so committed to your walk with the Lord. You're here, you're encouraging each other, singing to the Lord, building us up. It is a huge encouragement for us to be here. I think y'all need to give yourselves a hand, all right? A big hand. We, we love you and we're thankful we get to be here. Okay, I want to look at this topic here, and this person says, I want to talk about my prayer life, and I want to have a more effective prayer life, and I got to be honest with you, okay? I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to keep it real, real quick with you right here. Um, I, most of the time, go to prayer as a last resort. Does anybody feel me on that? Has anybody ever felt that way? In other words, here's what I mean by that. I go to prayer after I have already tried to fix it myself and it didn't fix. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so many times. I think this is what we do. 
This is what we do. We get into a jam, we get into a mess, and we try to go around and fix the whole thing ourselves. It's like when you broke something when you were a kid and you're like, watch me put this back together before dad gets home. Watch me put this together before mom gets back from work and finds out that I broke this thing. And you know, you put the glue on it and you try to put it together and it looks so janky and nobody is fooled, okay? And so then when you finally realize this thing looks worse than when it was broken, then you finally go to mom's and say, I broke this thing. That's what prayer is like for a lot of us. It's our last resort. It's the last thing we do after we tried to fix the whole thing. And you want to know why I think we don't go to God first? Why I think we go as a last resort? I think we're all afraid the answer is going to be no. I think we're afraid the answer is going to be no. Like when my little kids come to me and they ask, can I have dessert after dinner? You know, they know that in order to get dessert, you got to eat, you know, a good portion of the meal, especially the veggies. You know what I'm saying? You got to eat all those veggies. So what they'll say is, they'll say, dad, can I get some dessert tonight? And I'm, I'm looking at that plate and I'm like, not yet. Not yet. And they're like, okay, okay. Don't even ask him until you've eaten all the veggies. My son asked me the other day, he said, look, I didn't eat all the veggies. Can I get a little dessert? All right? And I think that's the way we feel about prayer is, have I eaten enough veggies to where I can ask God for dessert? Do you know what I'm talking about? We are afraid to go to God in prayer. And and Pastor Neil is exactly right. Prayer is simply talking to God. Just going to God and saying, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm wondering about. This is what I can't fix on my own. I need to just talk to you about something. Just like Pastor Ted said, sometimes I don't even know what to say. I'm just here. This is just me. And we don't do that because we feel like, you know what? I'm pretty sure whatever I need to ask God, it's going to be a no. Because I didn't eat enough veggies, I didn't do enough, or my past has been too bad, or I don't have anything to offer God. I think, I think we think, and I think, I think this is me, I think it's probably you. It's most of the folks that I know, I know it's me. I know this is me. I think we think that prayer sometimes is disrespectful from us. It's disrespectful for me to go to God as messed up as I am. That's disrespectful. Do you know what I'm talking about? But here's the deal. God already knows everything. And here's a little thing. God doesn't have anybody in this world to deal with except sinners who are messed up. That's all he's got. If the only people God is going to deal with is people who have it all figured out and all lined out, then he has nobody to talk to. You know what I'm talking about? He has nobody to talk to. It is not disrespectful to go to God even though you're messed up, even though you don't know what the question is, even though you don't have a solution to the problem, even though you broke the thing. That's not disrespectful. What if the most disrespectful thing is not going to God at all because he just wants to talk to you, because he wants to love you? I want to show you guys a verse. This comes from Mark chapter one. Miss Diana, can you help me with that? Mark chapter one, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and he begged him on his knees saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is what he knew about Jesus. I know that you're powerful. I know that whatever my problem is, I know you can handle it. You know what I don't know? I don't know if you want to or not. I think that's our problem. I think that's why prayer a lot of times is our last resort and we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to approach it because we know God can work stuff out. We don't know if he wants to. I know you can fix this. I don't know if I ate enough veggies. 
Here's the deal. Jesus came from heaven to be a man just to rescue us because he loves us. This is what he wants. He wants to be friends with you. On our Lord's last night on this earth, he had his friends around him. He was about to be arrested and taken away to be killed. And he said in John chapter 15, he said, no longer do I call you servants. He said, I call you Friends, that's exactly right. He said, I call you my friends. This is what I want. I want a friendship. So here's what I think we need to do. What we need to do is just go to God. As messy as it is, as broken as it is, as screwed up as it is, as, as, as confused as we are, go to him and say, I, not only do I know you can fix it, I believe you are willing to do it. Because Jesus said, it says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hands and touched him. We need to go to him as honestly, as messed up, as confused, as screwed up as the whole thing is. Just tell it like it is, because you know what? He already knows. The other day, um, my my little son and I, we had gotten home from uh, running some errands, and my wife came out of the house, and she said to my son, you need to get back in the car and buckle up, because I'm going to take you to the public library, because they have this thing called story time. She said, I'm going to take you to story time. And this is what my son says to his his mother. He looked at her, he said, you know what, mom, story time kind of sucks. And she said, first of all, she looked at me and she was like, I'll deal with you later because I know where he heard that word. Okay, first of all. But he said, look, mom, story time kind of sucks. I'm just going to keep it real with you. She said, okay, that's fine, but go ahead and buckle up anyway. And here's what I'm saying about prayer is go ahead and be honest with God. He loves you. He wants to hook you up. He wants to help you. Sometimes he might listen to your honest thing and it's going to be what he wants it to be anyway. You know, sometimes you might still have to go to story time. You know what I'm saying? But he loves you. He wants your best for you. We don't have to go as a last resort because he already knows and he only has folks like us to deal with. He loves you. He wants to hook you up. He has your back. Amen. 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 Thank you all. All right. And you're going to welcome up your last speaker who is me. So with the welcome. Okay. Sometimes around here, you got to do your own intro so that you know people are doing it right. You can't trust, they'll sabotage me, these other ones. You don't even know. Yes. People are naming names, and that name is Glenn. Who was, who, where do these people learn these things? All right, I like this topic. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what I'm doing when I'm praying. I'm going to see if we can all get on the same page. This person says, I'm going to de-churchify some of this language for you. If the person who wrote it is in the room, just keep a straight face because we're about to get raw a little bit. When this person says, I just want to have a more effective prayer life. What they want you to think they mean is, I just want my prayers to be more holy and anointed and pleasing to God in his merciful righteousness. What they mean, what they actually mean, what I mean when I say I want my prayers to be effective is, I want God to give me what I want. Right? That, what effect are we trying to have? The effect I'm trying to have when I pray is for God to give me. Let's go. Make with the loot. Come on. Now, here's what I think. I'm going to pick up right where Lee was saying. I think we, we are sure that we want to be respectful to God, right? We want to show God respect. We don't want to show God disrespect. That's right. That's a thing that people at the bridge have, absolutely right, absolutely biblical, that a lot of church folk don't. 
A lot of church folk, if you asked them, do you respect your pastor? They would say, when I talk bad about him, I only do it behind his back. That's a kind of respect. That's not what that means in this room, right? In this room, we know how to show respect. We proved that during worship, right? Jed said, here's what you do to show respect, and we all did that. I think, a lot of us think that it is disrespectful to God to want stuff, right? You hear people say, I feel like I'm only praying to God when I want things. Dang right, I'm only praying to God when I want things. He's got all the things. (laughs) Who else am I supposed to pray to when I want things? The Bible, God describes himself in the Bible. He says, I own the cattle on a thousand hillside. I don't need anything from you. We're not, this is not a trade. I give stuff to you. That's the relationship we have. That's fine. But, so we know how to show respect. We don't even know. Here's what I think is disrespectful to God. Like Lee said, is not going to him. Because that says something about what you think about God. I'm going to tell you all about the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me in my life. When I was younger, there was something in our family that happened, and it was a terrible thing, and we'll get into it. But years later, I learned a new detail about what had happened, about what really happened. And I said to my parents, why, did I, why didn't I just, why didn't y'all just tell me that at the time? And my, my father, bless his heart, in a moment of honesty said, we didn't think you could handle it. That's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me. We, we didn't tell you how it really was because we thought that was beyond what you could even deal with. Is that the way we pray to God sometimes? Do you give him the churchy stuff up front and then slide in the, and by the way, a million dollars too would be lovely. But, you know, holy and anointing and grandma, but a million dollars, just if you got it laying around. Let's do that. I think the respectful thing, the respectful way to pray is put it all on front street. Here's the thing. There's, this is in the Bible. This is not my verse. You can go home and look this up. This is in the Bible. God's, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. How is it respectful to not ask for the thing you really want? Like Lee was saying, the worst thing God can say is no, and now I'm still here. He's not going to squash me like a bug for asking. There's a story in the Old Testament, a whole book, about this guy called Job. And Job had everything taken away from him. Family, money, house, left, broke, alone, homeless. And he was, to use a theological term, pissed off at God. And he expressed those thoughts, right? And as Pastor Neil said, talking is praying to God, including Oh, mighty and holy Lord, I am pissed off at you. That is a prayer. And God heard that prayer, and he responded in the book of Job. And he starts out like this, one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. He says, gird yourself. Which, if you know, think about the word girdle and the parts of the body that that affects. He said, cinch yourself up because I am going to answer you like a man. I don't know, I can talk about myself. I don't know if anybody else, in your whole childhood, to do something like a man meant something terrible was going to happen to you. Take it like a man never means just sit back and relax because good stuff's happening, right? God says, I'm going to answer you like a man. And then it says he praised Job. And he raised Job up. He didn't squash him like a bug. There's a dude in the Old Testament named Jonah. 
And God said, I'm going to give you this job. You're going to go do this thing in my name. And Jonah, this is in the Bible. There's a whole book named after him. His prayer back was, I want to. And you can't make me. Turns out, you can't make me is not an effective prayer because God can make you. But we went through several months of, I don't want to and you can't make me. And God didn't squash Jonah like a bug. He's still around. Jonah got where he was going, right? We got to be honest. We got to kick it up sometimes. Here, I'm going to be, let's be real. There are some mornings, afternoons, whole days where my whole prayer life, we talk about an effective prayer life. Prayer life just means the things you're praying about, right? Pretty much. My whole prayer life is just a list of people I want God to kill. He has not killed any of them yet. But I'm going to keep asking. Now, most of the time, the answer I get back is, how are you acting in life that you don't deserve to be squashed? And that's a hard word to hear, friends. But that's how we arrive at maybe you need to be forgiving. Maybe you need to be loving. Maybe you need to understand this person. If I started out with, oh, Lord, give me the gracious patience and the mighty to understand, we're not going to get anywhere. If I open with, I'm going to need you to take this fool out or we just can't move on, that's actually the start of a conversation, right? We're trying to have a conversation here. Let's, let's go with this verse, Miss Diane, if you help me out. This is on two slides. This is Jesus. This is the most ridiculous thing I could find in the Bible, somebody praying for, by the way. So, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Him is Jesus. These are two of Jesus' disciples, the 12 guys who hung out with him everywhere. People who should know better, by the way, by this point. Teacher, they said, now that, we're going to stop here. That's buttering someone up. When you, I'm going to go back to Lee was talking about, when you wanted something from mom growing up, how did you open? Oh, wonderful, beautiful, and graceful mother who is the light of my life and I love, come on now. Opened up. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Hello. Has anybody ever come to you and said, I need a favor, before I tell you what it is, will you do it? Has that ever led to a good decision? Okay. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Again, if we're looking for times when people would get squashed like a bug, if God did that, come on. What do do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory. Okay, I'm, again, we're doing some de-churching here. So Jesus has told these people, I'm going to be on this earth. I'm going to be taken up to heaven. I will be enthroned at the right hand of my father. And these two geniuses have looked at all that and said, you know, we better ask for a good seat. Because maybe, maybe you can't see the good stuff from the back row of heaven. We don't want to risk it. I don't just want to be in heaven like some kind of chump. We got to to get into the velvet rope section of heaven or what are we even playing with here? You don't know what you were asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized in the baptism I am blessed with? We can, they answered, not knowing what that means. When Jesus says drink of the cup I drink of, he means being crucified. That's literally what he says. He's in the garden. He says, Lord, take this cup from me. That's the, he said, 
do you want to pay the cost to be the boss on being where I am? They said, sure, sounds great. So we'll go to the next slide here. We can the answer. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. Both James and John were crucified. They did die because of their faith in the Lord. And be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. It's hard to say baptism that many times in a sentence. And I don't think I'm getting the proper reaction for pulling it off. See, that's me being honest and trying to further this conversation. I'm illustrating my point to you. But to sit on my right or my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. So he says, not right now, as God often prays to us, right? But is there a rebuke there? Does he judge them? Does he cast them out? Does he say, don't ever ask for anything again? Yes, stupid stuff like that. He says, not this one. You're not ready for it yet. That's the answer to a lot of my prayers. Because, brothers and sisters, I'm going to close on this. If this is your first time at the bridge, you haven't heard this before. If you've heard it before, maybe here. But a blessing you are not ready for is a curse. Think about when you were in your madness, the height of your madness. If someone had just come up and given you $100,000 in cash, would that have been a blessing? Would that have made your life better in the long run? God, as we've heard all three of these pastors say tonight. I want to just sum this up here. God does want what's best for you. He does want to hear from you. He wants to hear what you really feel. And that all goes in the same way. If you be honest with God, God's going to be honest with you. And that's going to lead to a good place. That's going to lead to blessings. That's going to lead to God's will for your life. But it starts with admitting that you want things, right? Amen? Amen. All right, y'all welcome up Jed. He's going to close out a little more worship here. to the